You're listening to IoT Leaders, a podcast from SI that shares real IoT stories from the field about digital transformation swings and misses, lessons learned, and innovation strategies that work. In each episode, you'll hear our conversations with top digitization leaders on how IoT is changing the world for the better. Let IoT Leaders be your guide to IoT, digital transformation, and innovation. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the IoT Leaders Podcast. With me, your host, Nick Earl, the CEO of SI. And for those of you who are new to this podcast, this is about giving you insight, information, best practices, learnings about how to deploy a successful IoT project. And in each episode, I interview one of the leaders in IoT. And in this episode, I'm delighted to introduce Dr. Miroslav Riba, who runs Global IoT for EY. And Miro, welcome very much and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for the invitation. Glad to be here. Great. Now, I know you've got quite some experience, so maybe just for our listeners, maybe you can just give me an overview of your role at EY and how long you've been involved in IoT. Yeah, sure. So actually, that might be a bit shocking for uh, for some people because uh, you know EY is mostly associated with financial advisory, financial services, tax or, or uh, transactions. But actually, at UI, we are working and I'm working with IoT for over 12 years. And uh, we started in 2008. It was long, long before you know, this uh, topic became uh, yeah. so high as it is right now. And uh, you know, we're f- uh, thinking first about you know, purely security, how to secure the whole IoT ecosystems, how to build what's kind of the next step in our, our thinking. And uh, we started a small team. Now we reached the size of over 3,000 people around the globe, which are IoT experts uh, in, this, in this domain. And uh, my role here is actually to, to lead this practice and uh, make sure that this 3,000 will turn to 6,000 a couple of years from now. Okay, well, we need to unpack that. There's a, a lot in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with actually the date part of it. And you're right. I mean, I, and we talked about this on previous podcasts, is that you said 2008 and of course, in 2008, as our listeners will know, it wasn't even called IoT. It was called M2M, machine to machine, or SCADA, factory floor. We were connecting machines. And then around yes. 2011, we, we started saying, oh, it's going to be IoT. And the famous prediction, there'll be 50 billion things connected by 2020. And here we are, just beginning of 2021. We're at 11 billion. So, you know, we, we missed hugely. And maybe we can start off there in, in terms of what happened and you know, from my perspective, very interesting in your view, uh, and you have a very global view, it seemed like the first wave was classic Jeffrey Moore, Precasm, you know, innovators, early adopters, products that were, oh, isn't that cool? You know, I can connect my toothbrush. Yeah, or, something in my, in my local garage. This, this yeah, and look at this. Look at, started, look, right? look what I can make it do with a button. And it's like, yeah, but what, why do you want that? I don't know. It's just cool. So... You know, for the big companies, and EY is a huge multi-billion dollar company, and you work with multi-billion dollar clients, where are the true business outcomes? I mean, where where's the money for these clients? Is it just smart enabling products, or is it much more fundamental to do with their business processes? As you said, you know, it started in, uh, in the garages. This whole mindset of building IoT was uh, first driven by group of passionate uh, people who were trying to, you know, to change something. They, they saw this new opportunity on the market and you know, technology was uh, catching up. Uh, suddenly, we realized that you know, 
technically speaking, you can do almost everything. You know, originally this uh, industrial IoT or machine to machine, as you as you said in 2008-2010, was kind of a playground for trying to change uh, something to introduce new technology, new solutions to the existing ecosystems. And that was the first wave. You know, the first wave was uh, to put in whatever you can to your uh, your ecosystem, to your whole technical landscape, and see you know how this can improve the business, how you can get additional uh, value, additional enablement, uh, thanks to the uh, emerging tech, IoT, connectivity. And this was kind of the first wave. Then uh, the big challenges started, you know, the whole question mark, okay, I have so homogeneous uh, environment, so how am I able to protect it? How to make sure that, uh, you know, this uh, environment is reliable? So these uh, basic questions led various companies to actually start asking questions, okay, so what next? I can do technically everything. I can uh, create or launch the market, whatever solution I, I want. But the uh, fundamental question is, okay, how am I going to maintain it? How am I going to protect it? And how am I going to eventually make money on this uh, whole investment that uh, right. clearly is associated with, uh, with IoT uh, projects or IoT initiatives? It's interesting and- the way you phrase that because it's a little bit like saying, you know, that people started off with the what. And even the how, because they went straight into the technologies, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But but a lot of people forgot to ask the question, why? I mean, wh- why would it benefit me if, if I could connect? Because I can. Yeah, because I can, because it's cool. Look at this, you know, the engineers. It was driven by the engineers. And starting off, it's like Simon Sinek, you know, he says, you know, start off with the why. Why are you doing this? What value does it give to customers? So, you know, with, with 3,000 consultants, working with clients, what are the business benefits? If you're in front of a senior directors, a CXO level in a large company, what, what are the, the business benefits in terms of business processes, back-end business processes? Because we talk a lot about digitization. What types of uh, business processes can truly be transformed as opposed to just doing cool things with, by connecting products? That's entirely true that uh, now uh, this question why starting uh, slowly starting to emerge and this uh, iot journey actually is uh, changing from the level of engineers to the level of the of the c-suite and at the level of the c-suite the only question is you know how am i going to make money on it so so why am i going to suppose uh, am, am i supposed to invest in the digitalization yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, you know the digitalization is actually today everything is digitalized and especially now with uh, this all the lockdowns and uh, people not able to to work permanently in different locations there's more and more you know, investments or or the need to actually make sure that we are digitalizing all the processes which uh, originally were actually assumed that they have to be made uh, in person manually on sites and uh, now we are talking with uh, different heavy industry clients uh, uh, how to make sure that uh, some of the work in the field on a shop floor can be uh, done remotely how to apply emerging tech uh, uh, whole lens or uh, augmented reality to enable the operators uh, provide uh, or operate uh, the equipment the machines so there is lots of the use cases but uh, when we are talking to the decision makers what are the use cases, what are the business cases, and uh, what the value they can drive? 
it's uh, always the, the fundamental question which eventually comes up is, uh, you know, what are your main pain points? What, uh, what is the way uh, you want to optimize? So this is the first, uh, first dimension. But uh, there's a second dimension of uh, digitalization, bringing IoT to the big corporations. It's actually the whole aspect of disruption, because uh, you, know, you can uh, optimize the existing environment, existing processes, but uh, this just gives you some little efficiency improvement. It's an incremental uh, benefit, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The key thing and uh, the key opportunity for uh, various clients actually looking for this disruption. And uh, there was a study that uh, we did quite recently, and uh, it shows that uh, roughly 50% of uh, CEOs believe that their company did enough in terms of uh, disruption of their business. So there is still huge untapped business opportunity to disrupt the existing uh, forms of doing business. And uh, that's exactly what we are trying to work our clients to look for these uh, areas where we can disturb the current business processes, the way they think about uh, the revenue streams. And uh, then when we are at the, at the stage of you know, finding these uh, areas of disruption, we finally start bringing technology. So for us, the whole topic uh, of IoT totally changed from the technical aspect to the business-driven, technology-enabled uh, solution. Yeah. This, is, this is how we think about IoT today. And, and, and I think that's a really good point. And I, I know, you know, here at SI, we, we've got, we got 2,000 pure IoT play and we have 2,000 customers, but it is very, very common people to start off with saying, hey, I, I want to connect a device. I believe you do connectivity, global connectivity, you want to connect a device. It's like, and we have to train our, our business dev, dev pre-sales and salespeople to say, well, can you tell me about your business case? And in 70, 80% of the time, the person who's asking us the question doesn't know. And I think your point is start with the disruption first, then look at what the business benefit could be, either cost saving or, or competitive new business model innovation, and then eventually land on the technology. And, it, and it's it's the opposite way around to where a lot of the, if not all of the projects have been uh, so far. It, you know, I was thinking as you were speaking, it's very analogous to the first wave of, of well, the internet itself is, is that we started talking about HTML and web browsers and cool stuff. But ultimately the companies that really succeeded were the people who disrupted business models. I mean, the obvious example, Netflix today, completely disrupting the Amazon, disrupting Uber, disrupting transportation, Airbnb, disrupting hotel business, where people just say, I could actually create a brand new model. So you're you're operating by looking at the disruption. So let's assume that we, you, you have a client. Not, not only the disruption, but uh, the disruption needs to be followed by a whole value created around the product. And, you know, just, just give you the example, you know, now we are talking about, you know, the, the when you, whenever, whenever you open uh, turn on TV, there is news about COVID. You know, the whole world yeah. is talking about COVID and the vaccination, right? But uh, look what's happening with, uh, with, the, with the vaccine. You, know? you have a vaccine, but uh, you have a product. But technically, when I was thinking about it, you could build the whole ecosystem around the product itself, where with this incremental cost of uh, maybe one euro cent, because no, the current price of the Pfizer is uh, 20, 15 pounds, 20 euros yes, 20, per vaccine. 20 euros, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when you, when you for, for Moderna is a bit more, for, uh, for AstraZeneca it's, uh, it's, it's yeah. way less. So yeah. for one of these companies, 
and the competition is growing. There is more and more products that are uh, in the yeah, clinical, uh, clinical yeah. stage. Yeah. For one of the products, is uh, they are very competitive. They are vaccine to the, to the disease. But uh, when you could apply this additional layer of the service around the vaccine, you could provide the blockchain uh, traceability of the of the containers uh, to make sure that the temperature yes. was uh, was properly yeah. or optimize the supply chain for the delivery. Exactly, and yeah. Uh, yeah. then you have a when when you are vaccinated, you get you, you can check yeah. Yeah. on a blockchain side, you know, if this uh, vaccine those you are getting is three actually the whole chain was yes yeah, so uh, an adverse reaction and work backwards to the batch exactly and then, that would not be about then, a great example it would not be about the vaccine because they're all about 93 94 percent it would actually be about the business the logistics the supply chain the traceability and the data would determine who the winners are exactly and and then you could go one step further this uh you would know exactly what vaccine you took and uh, you are assured that uh, this vaccine was properly trans, uh, transported yeah, so yeah. it's fully effective and yeah. then you can associate this uh, this tag with your personal id or or your social insurance id yeah. and uh, you know you have the whole ecosystem built around the product and uh, now we are not talking about you're not asking yourself okay am i going to uh, to choose moderna or pfizer or uh, AstraZeneca yeah. or any other i'm choosing the one which gives me the whole benefit where I am, you know, emerged by the pr- whole ecosystem around the around the vaccine, and uh, this gives uh, the company which launches this additional service, you know, huge competitive advantage uh, on the market. And for me, as a as a as a user, you know, I have a choice, and here I have additional benefit. Which uh, let's be, let's be honest, when you are talking about the vaccine, which I would take eventually, so now I have to choose which one I, I want. And uh, the price is not the issue here. Now, so there is a room to actually implant this additional ecosystem around around the vaccine itself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. This issue it comes back to the, the question I was going to ask you, which is about the data and the power of of, of vast new amounts of data. The, the IoT, the connectivity part of IoT, is is creating turning products into experiences, but is creating vast new amounts of data and that data can be used in completely different ways. I mean, I was reminded there, we, we, um, we're working with a, a very large pallet company, let me say that, who, you know, they sell physical products, they sell pallets, but they want to turn itself into an information and an information company selling information to their clients as to where their clients' assets are because their clients' assets, machine parts, car parts, are sitting on top of pallets. So rather than sell them the pallet, embed the tracker inside the pallet, and then tell the clients this, the granularity of supply chain data that you're referring to in that supply chain part of that example, they actually have more information than their clients because they always know where the pallet is. So they then would sell the information. And so the, the data becomes more valuable than the physical product. But they've actually, they started by saying, what is the disruption that we could apply? And the disruption would be to transform ourselves into an information company as opposed to a, a pallet company. And so I think the big companies are now moving in to this sort of area. So let's talk about the, the data. The vast amounts of data are now being used. What are the best practices that you see in terms of people using data? Perhaps you have some examples of, of where people are using data in innovative ways in your clients to actually optimize these supply chains or manufacturing or warranty processes or back-end processes that you're talking about as opposed to enabling product 
Any examples you can share with us? Yeah, yeah. and of course. And actually, what you said, uh, what you said is uh, is, uh, is actually crucial. That uh, uh, that uh, you know this data is uh, is driving the whole ecosystem. And uh, with the easiness of implementing additional sensors to get additional data to get uh, the more comprehensive view, you know, the data is not the issue anymore. The the only issue is your imagination. How you can use this data. To build uh, to build the use case and services, and uh, this is what you mentioned that your pilot company is trying to be data driven, uh, data uh, operator, data company, not a pilot company. You know that's kind of a more and more uh, common pattern on the market. But we can still remember that uh, at the end of the day, they are transmitting the pallets. Yes, still a physical and, uh, product. So the core business needs to needs to stay. And uh, you know we had this. Fantastic project, super challenging for office elevators. And uh, when you realize the scale of this company, you know, they operate 2 million lifts around the globe. And uh, they, uh, every day, they provide 2 billion unique user rights. So statistically yeah. speaking, you know, every person in the world is uh, in the office elevators twice a week. Statistically, of course. Because some of them are not never in their lifetime in the office yeah. elevator. Some so of them traveling yeah. like hundreds, uh, hundreds a day. But uh, they offer two billions unique rides per day, and there's a huge, huge network of uh, lifts. So now the question was, okay, how can they leverage this uh, this huge potential? Right? They provide uh, the service, which is uh, you know, the lift ride. And they know everything about their lifts. They know where they are. They know what conditions they are. So what additional extra value they can uh, get out of it. So uh, we created for them kind of a study where we identified with them over 100 different use cases, how they can generate additional value uh, based on the data from their lifts. And uh, 100, 100 different fire. examples of how they could uh, use the data. Is that what you said? 100 different examples. Yeah, and uh, you know, for example, one of the cases was uh, that uh, you know, based on this reach they had, they could uh, actually monitor the condition of the buildings where the lifts are uh, yeah. are operating, and uh, this additional revenue, this could be additional revenue stream uh, for uh, for them. You know, they have infrastructure from the basement to the roof, so uh, technically speaking, adding uh, some connectivity uh, features, they could uh, become the 5G provider in yes. the in the yeah. areas where they yeah. when they are and they're already there, right? Buildings, facilities, management. I, I, I uh, we were talking to a, a lift company for Americans, friends, or an elevator company, and they were saying about China. I don't know whether you've heard this example in China. Well, I was going to say pre-COVID, but they're they're powering on, so they're probably still doing it in China, uh, where you have like a luxury restaurant on say the 80th floor. Mm-hmm. The idea of the walls of the lift become digital advertising spaces because it takes you two minutes or whatever to get to the top, and that you're a captive market. And if they know you're going to the luxury restaurant, they know that you're a high net worth. Yeah, and and the idea is almost like if you can identify yourself with a phone in some way, uh, or they can pick up with, through your phone. You may want to get loyalty points or access check into the restaurant on the way up, but they know who you are now. And then they can start targeting uh, advertising to you. So actually, to your point about an, an elevator might be not just a, a means of transporting people up and down. It might be a way of doing facilities management. In their mind, they were saying an elevator is actually a personalized advertising capsule. 
which is going to yeah, show you the menus, but also perhaps there's a range of luxury goods they're going to advertise to you. Exactly. So data, it's this explosion of data. And I like the phrase you said, you're only limited now by your imagination. And so I think the theme that we're both saying here is don't start with the technology. It's sort of a hard thing for tech company. Think the art of the possible. Yes. Start off with the disruption. Look at the business case. How could you enable the business case? And then you suddenly realize with all these sensors, actually, you probably can enable the business case. So it starts with a sort of an imagineering type process. The issue of China, I want to move on, Miro, if I can. The issue of China, and of course, there are pri- different privacy. I'm sure some of our listeners say, oh, yeah, but you know, identifying yourself to the elevator. Uh, in China, they let you do that because there's different privacy regulations. And, and that brings the, and that's true. Yeah, but, the, but the privacy of ch- is changing, you know. Look, uh, yeah. look, you know how eager we are right now to give up our privacy. Yeah, we're uh, desperate to share. Different companies, or or you know, in some countries, you have to give up your privacy just to be able to enter to the, the restaurant because you yes. have your app. That's true. With COVID, to, with COVID, yeah. we've all you call you exactly. Yeah, yeah. So when you have to, you will give it up. So the regu- it's tough for the regulators, isn't it? Because in two ways, one is the privacy of the data issue. But also I've heard some people talk about, as we have this explosion of devices, we're actually, and we talked in a previous podcast about devices that go on parcels. For tra- You talk about the COVID vaccines, you know, tracking, real-time track and trace, pallets, parcels, frozen food, chilled food. We're creating things which are almost like disposable devices, especially if it's on a box of frozen crab legs or whatever and so the you know we are actually exposing more data and we are actually creating more things so you know when you talk about china and people uh, say oh well you know yeah they have different privacy laws in china and and people will will give up their data voluntarily but as you say people are giving it up voluntarily all the time and with covid that's accelerating which raises the issue of the regulator and what role the regulator will play on a variety of uh, issues. It seems like the regulator has a tough time. They're playing catch up all the time. I mean, this thing is moving so quick and yet it has to be regulated. So what is your experience and your belief as to what role the regulator may play in the future in this explosion of IoT? Actually, what we see around the globe that uh, regulators are trying to as you said, catch up with this uh, new trends and uh, new new changes in the, in the, in the markets. And, uh, Definitely, the regulators are seeing the need of uh, introducing some new ways of uh, dealing with uh, all the aspects of privacy of the data. Uh, and uh, you know, when uh, whenever you go anywhere, you know your data is transmitted with you. So there is your location is obvious. Uh, your uh, your preferences are uh, shared. So uh, the regulators are aware of it, and uh, you know more and more people are willing nowadays to give up their privacy for for some benefits. And uh, you can see it uh, all the way around. And uh, another thing is uh, when you are talking about the regulators, uh, they are clearly finding their role in this, in this new ecosystem. And one of the things which is important here from the, from the whole society perspective is uh, eco-friendliness. And uh, you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned about sensors, there's more and more devices. So yeah. there's always a, a question mark, you know, what to do with uh, all these devices which are you know, broken or not, not in use anymore. Yeah, we're, so we're creating a problem. Yeah. There's a, there's a huge, there's a huge, uh, huge problem. And uh, 
from environmental friendliness, that's a huge uh, playground for uh, for the regulator to make sure that uh, you know they enter this uh, this scene and from the environmental perspective, they uh, they introduce some uh, regulations to actually you know help or enforce this uh, proper ways of dealing with the with the digital waste. And you know you can you can take a look at the, what's happening uh, in different uh, different countries, different geographies. Uh, they're introducing this uh, the sugar tax just to uh, force or enable people to reduce the consumption of sugar. So there's an economical factor, there's an economical way to force you to think, am I going to buy a product with a sugar? So I'll have a diabetes, I will impact the healthcare system. Yeah. And uh, okay, it's tasty, but it's super expensive. So maybe I'll buy a cheaper product with more healthier sweetener, yeah. right? So the same concept could be uh, adapted uh, to the to the IoT space, and uh, you know that would be kind of an additional uh, factor for the companies. You know, am I going to use the cheap, bad quality sensor uh, or the digital device, which is taxed additionally with this uh, kind of digital IoT sugar yeah. tax, yeah. or am I going to use this uh, self-disposing IoT uh, yeah. sensors, uh, which are much more ecological friendly? But uh, they are much more expensive in the in terms of production. Yes. So this difference in the cost of the production of the yeah. ecologically friendly sensor versus the regular one would be balanced by this additional additional tax, and it would be good for for everyone for the budgets of uh, of uh, countries, especially with all the stimulus that all the world is uh, is printing money nowadays. Plus, it will have a great impact on the on our planet. And talking about printing, people listening thinking, how on earth can you have an environmentally friendly device in action? And we're probably going to make this a subject of a future podcast, but we're now seeing IoT devices being printed. I mean, literally, they are. you print the circuit, you print the battery, you print the sensors. Print uh, it's a fascinating area. And then the idea is, if you can print it, can you actually make it recyclable? And can you make the other components compostable? So it's a whole new area which we're on at the moment. So let's finish then by talking about some innovative case studies that we've we've each seen. Here at SI, we're 14 years old as a company. We've got tons of case studies. I always try and introduce one, one cool case study per podcast. But let me start with you. Are there any examples of companies that you've worked with that you think are are doing it well, that aren't started, didn't start with the data, that started with the disruption perhaps, that have managed to uh, get through the working out how to use the data and are actually now in market with uh, some innovative IoT solutions that you think are uh, making a difference out there? Yeah, I'm just thinking which case to choose. But uh, now we work with various clients who are trying to disturb or uh, disrupt their, their way of doing business. But uh, the case which I believe is super powerful and uh, you know, it can be also found on, uh, in public, uh, public places is Royal Caribbean. We're working with Royal Caribbean for a couple of years now, and uh, this uh, this client actually changed completely the the whole way of uh, of uh, providing the service on the on the on the cruise. So before before they disrupted this uh, this cruise uh, cruise business, they knew everything about you before you shipped uh, shipped the plan uh, the, the ship. But after you boarded, you know there were uh, different uh, product connectivity on the on the on the yeah. ship. Yeah. Because it's a kind of big uh, Faraday box, so there's always the issue of yeah. connectivity. So uh, we're working with uh, with them. We actually disrupted all the way how the how the user journey starts from the moment you come up with the idea, I will go for a cruise, to the moment when you yes. uh, 
board the ship and then you 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 have all that digital enablement during the whole uh, journey yeah. uh, on on the on the really cruise yeah. and then when you when you disembark uh, disembark the, yeah. the ship so so uh, that was a, that was a great journey that uh, we went together with Royal Caribbean where we built these use cases and uh, we implemented this uh, together with them so uh, so uh, now from the perspective of the of uh, the Royal Caribbean they are able to adopt or adjust uh, the off offer to the unique personal needs of each of the passengers on the on the cruise and from the personal perspective of a person who is buying this cruise you know you have all this uh, digital sphere digital uh, ecosystem where you can act and find yourself and choose what uh, services what uh, features you want to uh, you want to get you want to buy just to make sure that uh, all your cruise is uh, is uh, remarkable, and and all of which they sort of close the loop, don't they? Because then all of which means that after you've experienced, you've had this fantastic experience, which is everything was connected, and and you were able to access all these services while you were there. And then when you finish the cruise, you you have this great feeling that oh boy, it was just such a great experience. So you then start dreaming about your next cruise, and so exactly. so IoT is actually uh, IoT in a sense IoT is almost becoming more important than the ship and the facilities. Because your experience is determined by by the services that are presented to you and customized. The, the ship, the ship is the carrier. The, the IoT carrier, sensors yeah. and connectivity is actually yeah. you know, the blood yeah. in the whole ecosystem. Yeah, that, that yeah. the products becoming experiences. I, maybe I'll finish with with one of our. Uh, it's not as good as Royal Caribbean, but it, but I think it's a very innovative case study and one that many people will use every day. And that's the uh, Costa Express. So Costa now bought by Coca Cola. Previously, strategy is to have coffee shops. All over the place, and they still do. But but they then went into vending machines. A customer of ours, but they people might not know. There's 90 sensors inside a Costa coffee machine. 90. Can you think of that? I mean, it is quite amazing what's inside them. And and what we help them working with their partner to help them design the machine and aggregate the data from the sensors and backhaul it into the center. But one of the things that they do is the the coffee machines are, are now big digital displays. And to your point, like it's like the, the cruise ship is just the the, the vehicle, the, the the coffee, the the machine dispenses coffee, but actually it's a digital display advertising unit. Uh, what it can do is is obviously give you lots of choices. It's one square meter. It's not on a cost of premise. It's in somebody else's premise. It's a single product SKU that they roll out in every country with global ubiquitous connectivity. But one of the things they they're now doing is they you can get your loyalty points by scanning the QR code with your phone. Now the point about opting in to privacy is that you, you 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 are saying yes, I want my loyalty points, but they know who you are. So now you're building up this incredible data of everyone's coffee drinking profile on a unit of one, what they drink, where they get it, which choices they press on the screen, and how often they drink it. And you think of the power of that data and the ability in the future to personalize the machine. To and then you can build the whole ecosystem around it. Yeah, yeah. Additional services, additional features, additional third parties to sell you stuff, which is uh, going well with preferences. Yeah, the, the, the whole vending is that then you could actually have relevant advertising. And then when 5G comes along, because you can do augmented reality, think of Pokemon. This is not Costa, this is some other machine, other, other companies. But think of Pokemon where you, know, you, you point your phone and you can see characters on the street. 
Well, then with 5G, you, you put your phone in front of the vending machine and you get an, a, a bill of materials, virtual bill of materials, which shows you the supply chain. You know, is it fair trade? You know, the fair trade ingredients, so how many calories? Where was it manufactured? And, and people are wanting to understand that information before they buy products. So the whole area of retail is going to be much more about the information than the product itself. Exactly. And so it, it's very, very interesting. Listen, we could talk all day and I, I, um, <laughs> uh, we, we need to finish off. I want to finish off by, by asking you one last question. Uh, it goes back to the very first thing that you said, which I'm still thinking about. Wow. I mean, you, you're running a global organization. You're expecting it to double over a period of time. So this is a very, very hot area. So there's lots of interesting people in this area with in, doing interesting things and and that's what we try and do for this podcast. So is there one company or one person that you would recommend that our listeners would benefit from if they were to appear on a future IoT Leaders podcast? Actually, the biggest challenge is to say uh, one. You said yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. There's a challenge. Because, time for uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, because this world is full of uh, great inventors and, uh, yes. and companies and ideas. Uh, I know that you are in touch with all the all the big players, so from Microsoft. Uh, yes, that's right. So, so I'm not going to look for this uh, in this direction. I believe that uh, you know uh, something. What uh, I, I I believe that uh, you know we could uh, reach out to uh, maybe Jean uh, Jean Pierre Firot. He's uh, uh, he can share with you great war stories from uh, the project they they did. Uh, it's a transition technologies. The Which technology? Which, sorry, Miro. The transition technologies. Okay. They uh, they uh, operate worldwide and uh, they work with Microsoft and uh, PTC. So we can share with you the war stories and uh, great cases they they implemented either as a transition uh, technologies or or PTC together with PTC. So I believe that uh, this could be the great uh, idea to invite him to share with the audience. I, I will I will the, I will tell him I will tell him that you recommended him and you, and you mentioned Microsoft and yeah Tony Shakib who runs uh, IoT globally for uh, Microsoft is actually going to be future guests. So uh, that episode will be uh, recorded uh, shortly. So we will have the head of uh, IoT for Microsoft on a, on a future IoT leaders podcast. But let's, let's leave it there. It's fascinating. I think the, I think, start, you know, being only limited by your imagination, starting off with the disruption, working from that way, and then getting to the technology is the big learning. It is so hard to do. Otherwise, everybody would be doing it. But I think that is a really, really valuable piece of advice to our listeners. So I just want to wrap up here. Thank everybody, as always, for listening to the IoT Leaders podcast. We have a large list of people who are wanting to come on the on the show and share their experiences. So thank you for uh, tuning in. Thank you to my guest, Miro, who I know has recently, in the last couple of months, been promoted to the worldwide level. So congratulations, Miro, on your promotion. Uh, you got a very big job with a lot of very big clients and there's a lot of innovation going on and a lot of disruption. So thank you for sharing some of your insights and uh, we look forward to talking to all of our listeners again in the next version of the IoT Leaders podcast. So thanks, Miro. Thank you for, for, thanks for the invitation. Thank you for, for the great discussion. Yes, great. Um, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to IoT Leaders, a podcast brought to you by SI. Our team delivers innovative global IoT cellular connectivity solutions that just work, helping our customers deploy differentiated experiences and disrupt their markets. Learn more at si.com. 
You've been listening to IoT Leaders, featuring digitization leadership on the front lines of IoT. Our vision for this podcast is to be your guide to IoT and digital disruption, helping you to plot the right route to success. We hope today's lessons, stories, strategies, and insights have changed your vision of IoT. Let us know how we're doing by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and recommending us. Thanks for listening. Until next time.